Open to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Today we're going to wrap up our Advent series, which has been entitled Lift Up Your Eyes. So our whole goal has been to lift up our eyes by faith to see Jesus and to be transformed more into his image by faith, which is what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, that we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into this same image from one glory, from one degree of glory into, the, into another, and this is by the Lord, okay, who is the Spirit. Now, the Bible is clear, as I've said each week, and we basically have two choices. We can either see Jesus by faith and be conformed to his image, or we can harden our hearts, look at the world, and become more like the world. The same sun that melts wax will harden clay, and you will become like what you worship. Again, you, the, during the Christmas season, some of us watched the movie The Scrooge, and he became what he worshipped. He worshipped money. He became a greedy, self-absorbed old codger. And that's because he became what he worshipped. It controlled him, and that's the same for us. This Advent season, the more intently and more intensely we focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the more we should be conformed to his image. So this morning, we're going to look at Lift up your eyes, for your redemption draws nigh, or draws near. We're going to be in Luke 21, looking at verses 25 through 36. Now, our text today is about the coming of Jesus. And that, again, it goes to the very heart of Advent. Advent means coming. It is our remembering that some 2,000 years ago, Christ came as God's people longed for Him and waited for God to keep every promise that He had made to them. In sending Jesus, all of the promises that God had made in sending the Messiah. So today, we look back, right? We look back remembering Christ's first advent, His first coming. And at the same time, Advent is a time when we join with all of God's people who are now awaiting a second advent. We're awaiting His second coming when Jesus returns and sets up His kingdom and rules forever and brings every promise to fruition that He has made to us. So Advent is meant to remind us of our present situation. All of God's people everywhere in the world right now, all of those who call on the name of Jesus, we are waiting on Jesus to come back. So... As I read our text this morning, here's the main question I'm trying to answer, okay? How do we lift up our eyes and make ourselves ready for Christ's return? How do we live as a people who are waiting on Christ's return? How can we be found as a people who are ready to meet our King? Okay, so let's read verses 21, verses 25 through 36. This is what Jesus says, this is, at the very, this is right before um, he's arrested and before he goes to the cross. This is Luke 21, beginning in verse 25. He says, and there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations, in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear, with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, straighten up 
and raise your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that the day may come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. And to stand before the Son of Man. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of His Word. I have three main points I want to make this morning about how we can find ourselves ready. The first way is this. Let us be people sure of the Lord's coming. Let us be people sure of the Lord's coming. Now, a lot of ink, by the way, has been spilled throughout the years on this text Luke 21, Matthew 24, both called the Olivet Discourse. It's Jesus' apocalyptic language um, that he gives in both of those texts. A lot of folks have lost their minds trying to understand every jot and every tittle here. That is not my goal this morning. Or you'll be here until Christmas. Amen. That's not my goal, okay? It's good to remember G.K. Chesterton's principle here. G.K. Chesterton famously said, he says, it is only the fool who tries to get the heavens inside his head. And not unnaturally, his head bursts. The wise man is content to get his head into the heavens. So let us not try to get all the heavens into our head and blow our head up. Let's try to get our heads into the heavens and try to see what Jesus has for us. So, Let's begin by remembering that the main point of these verses is not to set a timetable. It's not to draw a chart of predictable or a predictable or to set a predictable series of events where we can say we know with certainty when these things will happen. Jesus in this section of Luke basically foretells two events. Two, just two. And you can know that it is two events because of the distinction used between two phrases. The first phrase is signs of the age in verse 7 of this text, or signs of the time, some texts say that. And then in verse 20 where Jesus says there will be signs of the end. So you have signs of the time that you're living in time and signs of the end. The first event is the destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple. That happened in 70 A.D., by the way, when Titus marched all of the Roman legions into Jerusalem, surrounded it because of the Zealots' rebellion. And by the way, I've been over to Israel, and there's actually still walls built around Masada that happened at 70 A.D. They're still standing there where Titus marched in to destroy Jerusalem in 70 A.D., okay? Jesus here tells about that in the first few verses, and he encourages believers to flee Jerusalem before Rome completely besieges and destroys the city. And by the way, that's exactly what happens in 70 AD. 
Every single stone is destroyed and cast down from the Temple Mount. Jerusalem is razed to the ground because of their rebellion. This is what Eusebius, the early church father, writes about this. He says this, the, church, the people of the church in Jerusalem, okay, the people of the church in Jerusalem were commanded by an oracle given to them before the war to those in the city by Jesus to depart and dwell in one of the cities of Perea. To it, those who believed on Christ migrated from Jerusalem And when holy men had altogether deserted the royal capital of the Jews and the whole land of Judea, the judgment of God might that so that the judgment of God might at last overtake them for all of their crimes against Christ and the apostles, and all that generation of the wicked be utterly blotted out from among men. That's exactly what happened, and Jesus foretold it here some forty years earlier that. that all of that was going to happen. That's the first event, okay? This first event ended the Old Testament period of Israel. The second great event is what we read about in verses 25 through 28. This event will be the end of the world, okay? The first event was accompanied by earthly signs, like an army surrounding a city, and the suffering and struggling of those who have to deal with it, whether they're nursing or pregnant. The Bible says they'll be led captive among the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. The second event, the one we're focusing on here, will not come with earthly signs, but with cosmic universal signs. The very heavenly bodies, like the sun and the moon, will be shaken. It won't simply be one city like Jerusalem that is affected, but every nation on earth will be distressed So here, Jesus is looking again at two events. The first sign will be the end of the Jewish system or nation, and the second will be the end of the world. Okay? Now let me quote a helpful scholar here who says this. Quote, These and these only are the end signs. All other signs indicate not the end we look towards, but the age we live in. Signs of the age, okay? Periodically throughout the time between Jesus' first and second coming, there will be upheavals in the world at large and persecution of the church. The disciples are told to reject the usual apocalyptic interpretation of political distress. It is a sign of the age or time, but not of the end. Let me put that in layman's terms for you. Just because there's a war, just because there are a lot of wars, just because things are bad, that's not a sign of the end. That's a sign of the age you live in, which will continue from the time of Jesus until the time he returns. It doesn't matter how many world wars break out. There could be 27 more of them. It's not a sign of the end. It's a sign that you live in the period between between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. The sign of the end is Jesus bursts open the clouds and comes and every nation sees him and the heavens are shaking and that's the end. Okay? So, you could, a lot of people have asked me, what's this going on in Israel and what's all of this? The sign of the age. You live in an age when, the Bible says, people will be married and given in marriage and they'll go about their business until the very end. There'll be wars, rumors of wars, all this stuff. It's not a sign of the end. It's a sign of the age. 
the age you live in. There's only one sign of the end. When Jesus bursts open the eastern sky and he steps back onto the planet and restores all things. Okay? So, that is it. Now, here is the application. The point of all of this is you need to be a person who is sure of the Lord's coming. The point of all of this is that you can be sure of Christ's return. Jesus says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Every word that Jesus has said is as sure as any other promise that has been made. Whether it's the promise of him going to the cross and dying for sinners, being raised on the third day, or, it, or whether it is as sure as the Roman army that surrounded it, that the Roman army that surrounded Jerusalem and destroyed it in 70 AD after this prophecy. Let us be people sure of Christ's return. Let us be people who are found longing for it, watching for it, waiting for it. And you can tell, by the way, those that live this way and believe this. They understand the world we live in. Second, how can we be people ready? Let us be people sanctified for the Lord's coming. Let us be people sanctified for it. Look at verses 34 through 35. Jesus says this. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Now, Jesus tells us here that you need to be watchful, right? You need to be awake. You need to be alert. You need to be sober. You need to be aware of what's going on around you to the point that you don't allow yourself to be lulled or coerced or tempted into worldliness and sinfulness. Because that's what happens. You get you, the cares of the world drag you away, or you think that this is the only life that matters, or this world is all that there is. And Jesus says, if you do, that day will come upon you like a trap. You'll be caught in the net, a bird that just thinks it's doing its own business in the bush, and it's caught in the net. Or like a bear who's just wandering around and sticks its foot in the trap. You'll be caught. Again, Jesus says this day is going to come and all who dwell on the face of the earth must be ready for it. So what we are called to do is to be a people sanctified, set apart. A people who are watching and living in a way that when Jesus comes, he will be pleased. The hope of the return of Christ is what should encourage us to, live, to hold fast to Jesus and to live holy, sanctified, set-apart lives. It should be what causes us to persevere and endure hardship and heartache and even persecution because we know our Master is going to come and we are called to live as salt and light in this very dark world. And this means, by the way, that as Christians, then we should, this should cause us to live with different goals and objectives than all the world around us. We are not called to live the way the world lives. We're called to live separate, set apart. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners in this life and in this land. We know that this world is passing away and it's not our eternal home. And the truth of Christ's return 
should cause you to reflect on your life and ask, do I live in a way that pleases my King Jesus? Let me just give you two verses that tie that together. That we're supposed to be people sanctified for the Lord. Listen to Titus 2. Paul says this, For the grace of God has appeared. That's Jesus, by the way. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? We're to live godly lives in this present age as we're what? Waiting on the glorious appearing of our King Jesus. So we're to live in a way that reflects this truth. We're to be a people set apart and sanctified. First John, John says it this way in 1 John 3. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And listen to this. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself as He is pure. If you have a hope of Christ returning, then you live in light of Christ returning. Now, we all know this. I'm going to speak to you right now to you children and young adults and and students, we all know that everybody likes to have fun. We all know that everybody wants to dabble and experiment in things. We all know that people want to sow some wild oats and they want to do things, but here's what they don't want. They don't want to get caught by their parents. Amen? All of you in here that are parents, guess what you used to be? You used to be teenagers. And kids, you might not know this, but a lot of your parents did a lot dumber things than you've ever done. Amen. I have done a lot dumber things than my kids have ever done. Okay? But here's the thing. When I was doing those things, I didn't want to get caught. And I remember my grandmother, she used to snatch knots in me, and she would say, would you do that if your mom or dad were there? And of course not, right? If you were doing something you shouldn't have been doing, and you knew your mom or dad were going to walk into the room, that's why you feel so dumb, students, when you get caught. You think your parents are dumb. No, you're dumb. You are dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. The point is, if Jesus can return at any moment and you believe that truth, you're going to live differently. The point is, though, you've never sinned absent from the presence of Jesus. He's with us by His Spirit moment by moment. It's just a failure for you to believe that truth. That Jesus knows all, sees all, and yet he still loves you by his grace. The point is here, listen, we all love to sin in darkness where no one can see us or find us out. And if you do that, if you're living that way, then you're living as though you really don't believe Jesus will return at any moment. So you're not going to be sanctified. You've, in this text, you've taken the bait. You've already fallen into the trap. So repent. Repent and live as someone sanctified for the Lord's return. Listen, 
Be sanctified and purified and ready for Christ. Over and over again, Jesus warns us that we need to be ready and living in light of His return. He says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. He says again, therefore stay awake, you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. He says again, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Bible is filled with that kind of warning. Let us be a people sanctified. And third and finally, let us be a people ready to stand before the Lord. Let us be people sure of it. Let us be people that are sanctified for it. And let us be people that are ready to stand before the Lord. Look at verse 36. Look at verse 36. He says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Be ready to be able to stand before the Son of Man. Two things, really quickly. Notice here that in this text, verses 25 and following, Jesus says that every nation will see him and that he's coming in the, on the clouds. He's coming on the clouds, right? The cloud, by the way, is a picture of God's coming presence and judgment. Jesus, by the way, um, he, at, his, at, his, at his trial in just a few moments before the Sanhedrin, he says, you're going to see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in power and great glory. And they, that's where they condemn him of blasphemy by claiming he's going to come on the clouds. And then at his, resur- at his ascension, after his resurrection, 40 days later at his ascension, what happens? He's taken up in a cloud and the angel says there, why are you standing here looking up? This same Jesus that you just saw taken away is going to come how? In the same way you saw him leave. He's coming on the clouds. Okay? In Revelation 1, it says, Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Now, Jesus is coming on the clouds, and every individual will see him. Verse 36 says this. Second, every individual will not only see Jesus, they must also stand before him. Every individual will stand before him. Everyone must be ready for that day. If you don't believe that, let me read you two other verses of Scripture, which is, first one is 2 Corinthians 5.10. Paul says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all, including Paul, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. In Romans 14, Paul says this, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. The reason that you need to be sure of the Lord's coming and you need to be sanctified before the Lord's coming is because you will stand before the Lord. There is no escape. Every one of us must stand before him. Now for those of us that are in Jesus, that should not be a fearful day. Knowing that our sins have been judged, they have been laid to the side and cast as far as the east is from the west. Amen. When he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, not because I was good and not because I was faithful, but because of his grace. But nonetheless, every eye will see him and everyone will stand before him to give an account. So here's my question. This Christmas morning, as we take both ends of history... Christmas is the fulfillment of all God's promises and the sending of Jesus. And Advent is when we long for God's return at the end of all things. Here's the question. Are you sure of the Lord's return? Are you living a sanctified life that reflects that truth? 
And are you ready to stand before him? The Bible says it is appointed for a man once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Have you repented of your sin, placed your faith in him? Have your sins been forgiven, and have you received eternal life in his name? My, I beg you, I plead with you, lift up your eyes on Jesus. See him crucified in your place. See him by faith raised to life for your justification. See him by faith ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is interceding for his children. And see him waiting to return to come and bring with him every promise and bring it to a fulfillment. See him by faith coming to set up his eternal kingdom. Coming to make every wrong right. To wipe away every tear from every eye. To execute justice and righteousness and faithfulness forever. Lift up your eyes and be transformed by the truth of Jesus. And so as long as we are waiting, hear me. Let us be about our master's business. Amen? Hear me. We have a gospel of hope that we need to hold fast to. And we need to endure until that day we stand before Him. And we have a gospel of hope to share with a perishing world. We only have a few days, a few hours before night to win our battles. May we be found about our Master's business. So when He returns, He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask that you would bless this time together. And Lord, I pray that we would be people sure of the Lord's coming, sanctified and ready for the Lord's coming, and that we would be people absolutely ready to stand before Jesus, not because of any merit or worth in us, but Father, we would be ready to stand for you by grace through faith, that we would lay hold of the promises of Christ by looking on Him and believing on Him for eternal life. Lord, speak to us now. We ask this in Jesus' name.